0: To Tone Benders. My name is Renee Coronado, and with me today, as always, it's Tim Muirhead. Hey, Tim. Hey, Renee. How you doing? I'm doing great. And today we have a very special guest. It is Brett Johns, straight back from Thailand with the uh, Elephants in the Room library. All um, oh, that
1: library is so good.
0: It's 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 this the whole reason for us coming together. Um, yes. Brett is a freelance sound designer. He was at Gazillion working on Marvel Heroes MMO for six years. He did Sunset Overdrive and Avengers uh, and Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, 27 episodes of that. You can find him over at SonicShepherd.com and at Facebook.com slash SonicShepherd. Hey, Brett, how are you, man?
2: I'm doing well. It's good to be here. So Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. That's pretty awesome. So Marvel, yeah. Yeah. Um... The path to Marvel was a, a twisted one, but it started out with knocking on doors uh, when I was over at Samblex interning. And I knocked on the right door, and there was a guy there who was working on a side project. He was working on uh, Planet Hulk. It was a straight-to-DVD. It was actually really a cool movie. But all I did for that was punches and slashes and uh, gore and that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, after that, I had a little bit of uh, PTSD. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but from there, um, the same people that did that, they asked me to do an episode of Marvel Earth's Mightiest Heroes for Disney XD. And uh, I was really excited to get the opportunity uh, because I was gonna be doing you know, a lot more than just punches. I was basically gonna be doing the entire episode. And um, I came back at him and I said, you know, I've looked at the work that you've done before and I love the work that you've done and I really want to match that quality. I think you guys do a fantastic job, but there's no way I'm gonna be able to do it. In the time frame that you want me to do it, and uh, I either need more time or more people. And uh, they came back with more time and more people. And um, about, I guess it was like a year later, when they were going to do season two, they said they wanted me to be on the team for all of season two, because out of all the freelancers that they had on the previous season, that I was the only one that gave them a realistic expectation of what I could do and come through. Uh, in the end. So sometimes it it pays off to not try and uh, say that you can do more than you can, in other words. I mean, that's a lesson learned there. Yeah, you got to stick to your standards.
0: People respect it when you speak straight to them.
2: Yeah, no, no, totally. Uh, And then from there, um, I was looking for work. I did a little thing, uh, Scary Tales, uh, just quickly after that. I was looking for work, and I reached out to someone that I knew that worked previously at Sound Deluxe, and he was At Gazillion, I didn't know what they were working on, but I said, hey, do you you know of any work? And what I didn't know at the time is that the CEO at the time of Gazillion, he wanted his new video game that hadn't been released yet to sound like uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So it was just coincidence and timing, but uh, it worked out. Yeah, it was a great experience. I loved it. I think it's the best job that I've had for sure. And Ellen Myers uh, over there at Gazillion, I think she is the best audio lead I've ever worked for. So.
0: so how do you go from that situation to standing in the middle of a herd of elephants in Thailand?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. As you do. <laughs> As you do. Um, I think I think this is probably pretty common. I'm with a lot of people in a lot of different jobs today, especially since we we live in a time where we have so much opportunity. We have more opportunity than we've ever had before um, to do your own thing, right? To To bring in streams of income, whether that be your online drop shipping business or your invention or your whatever that is. But within that uh, umbrella, of course, you wanna do things that you're gonna enjoy. I I knew that I wanted to create sound libraries. I knew that's something that I wanted to do at some point because I bought plenty of them and I really enjoyed what other people did. But at the same time, there are things that I thought maybe I would do a different way uh, or think there were things that were missing. Um, And I thought, okay, well, at some point, I have an idea. I, like, I have three or four libraries already pushed forward of what I want to do. Um, thinking about elephants as a library, as a precursor to my other libraries coming out, I thought, this is something that is definitely missing. Uh, this is something that I've heard on, say, the, uh, the server at Formosa or the server at Sound Deluxe, where those sounds were absolutely incredible. But in listening online, there was nothing there. Um, and if there was something there, uh, the quality was either they're old recordings, they're distorted, um, or there wasn't much variation. You, you could get like a grunt or you could get a roar, but then that's all you got. So if you're designing creatures, I mean, you want to have a variety because you're, you want to convey different emotions for that creature. Or you want to have, you, got, you have to deliver variations for like, let's say it's a victory. Let's say it's attack. Let's say it's, you know, whatever that is. And so I knew that coming out with an elephant library, I really wanted to give something to people also who were independent sound designers. Like they weren't at that big place. They didn't have access to that stuff. And now by me going out and doing something like that, they would have access to that stuff. So I didn't know though, if people would necessarily be receptive to it. I know that when I was at Sound Alex, that's one of the first things they told me to listen to in the library were elephant sounds because they're really cool sounds. Um, But I didn't know that other people had been exposed to that. And then when I did the Kickstarter, it felt like the people who were backing it seemed to be, you know, some pretty decent names in the business. So I knew I was on the right track. But when I hit that button, launch Kickstarter, I was like, well, I think it's a good idea. I mean, we'll see whatever we'll we'll see what happens, you know? Well, let's talk about that
0: decision. How how did you decide to go Kickstarter as opposed to self-financing it
2: or, or, you know, funding it in some other way? I had gone the year before I had gone to Thailand to research where I'd record, make the connections that I needed to record. I mean, I try to make connections here as well. And I had funds together to, to go back a second time. Um, and I had pay time off to, to go back a second time because I wanted to do that project while I was at, at Gazillion. But Gazillion abruptly closed down and they let go of all of their employees and they took all of their employees PTO, their pay time off, uh, so they sort of pulled the rug under from under my plan. And um, I was like, well, I went out there. I spent a nice amount of money to make these connections and make this happen. And what can I do? Because it's been my experience with other things that if you don't take advantage of the connections that you have in a timely manner, those connections can dry up or disappear pretty quickly. Yep. So I was like, I have to get out there now. Um, so." Someone had suggested a Kickstarter, and I didn't think it was necessarily a great idea, uh, only because <laughs> because because yeah, I was thinking, well, how many people actually get funded on a Kickstarter? Like, how does that how does that work? I've never done it before. I did one. You have. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, and then once <laughs> I got, I've only in, done one.
0: What did you do? What was your thing? I did I did the trolleys that are uh, in Uptown over here in Dallas. Oh yeah
2: yeah 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 yeah. I did see that actually when I was going through. I think I modeled some of my stuff off of your Kickstarter. Like, I went through to see what other people had done to get funded on Kickstarter. Um, and yeah. so that's, that's basically what I did. I, I think, and here's the thing about that. I think that, you know, being in the sound uh, industry, sound design, I, I think that your job is always changing, right? You, you, you have some mystery of something that they, they send at you, and you don't know how you're going to do it. You have no idea. And then you research it. You ask friends, you do whatever it is you can to make that thing happen, right? And it's just all puzzles and problem solving. And I was like, you know what? I've never done a Kickstarter, but other people have done it. I'll look at what other people have done. I'll ask around. I'll try and market it the best way I can. I'll do the research on marketing uh, and branding and all of that. Uh, And, um, you know, luckily it it worked out. But, you know, I, I definitely needed a push, I needed help from other people to make it happen.
0: So can you back up a little bit to that first trip to Thailand? Why did you go in the first place? Is that just on your normal loop, you know, when you're, when you're coming out of L.A.? You head to Thailand and then, and then back out
2: to Vegas? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we good. 21 hours out that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, going out to Thailand, like in looking at where elephants were readily available, I mean, there are places in the United States where you can record elephants, um, but it's really expensive uh, as a, per day and you're going to get one elephant uh, at that place or two elephants possibly. Um, so that was prohibitively expensive and I didn't think I would, like I wanted to get a huge variety of elephants. And so I had a friend who is from Thailand. She grew up half in uh, Thailand, the UK. And I talked to her a bit about it because she knows Thailand pretty well. And she said, oh yeah, you can just, you know, offer any guy some, some money and you can go record elephants there, you know, anywhere, which was didn't actually turn out to be the case. It's like, it's a, it's a little bit different that because A, there are all of the equipment issues to deal with in terms of getting your stuff over there and B, what you find out is you may have 500 elephants in an area, but there aren't that many that are going to make cool sounds. So you have to sift through a lot of elephants to find the right elephants to record. So, and it turned out my connections there had nothing to do with her. I ended up having a connection here, a guy who's a pretty well-known chef. He knew a pretty, another well-known chef who was in Chiang Mai, who started a, um, a children's charity. One of his students had a cousin <laughs> that <laughs> went to school with this guy who owns an elephant sanctuary. <laughs> he says, do you want to meet my friend? I was like, yeah, I want to meet your friend. And then one thing led to another and, uh, you know, we set it up. So did you go to Thailand
1: specifically for this project or were you in Thailand and found out about this stuff while
2: you were there? No, 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 no. I went there. I went there specifically for that project, but also I figured if I'm going to be flying that far, I put a vacation into it as well. Like, I I mean, I would say I went, I went for a month. So I went basically three weeks vacation and one week worth of research and, you know, Try and make connections. So, yeah.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So you got the Kickstarter up and running. You hit go. Um, promotion, uh, other kind of research. Uh, you got to, You had to make a promo video. You had to. You know, go through the whole uh, Kickstarter rigmarole. What was all of that
2: like? Um, it went through a lot of iterations. Uh, let's just say I fired the guy uh, who was in the original Kickstarter video. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, Yeah, I I did all all the VO, you guys have seen the Kickstarter, and it basically ended up being a a whiteboard, uh, storyboard animation with the elephants and all of that. Uh, Originally, it was me in my living room right in here uh, on my couch with a camera and a mic and wearing an elephant t-shirt that had glasses on it and me talking about the thing. And uh, it really, everything I did, I was like, this is not good. People are not going to like that.
0: That's the hardest thing, isn't it?
2: The video. Yes. Seeing yourself on video. Yeah. And hearing myself too. But, um, but yeah. And you're basically asking people, uh, for money, uh, which is never a comfortable thing, but yeah. So, uh, everything that I, that I read and research said that, you know, you're three times more likely to get funded if you have a good video. So then, you know, that was the next step. I started looking on uh, Fiverr for people who could do, um, a whiteboard animation and everyone was so expensive. It was like, you know, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000. And so what I did is I ended up looking in the areas where there were or people that didn't have a lot of experience and they need to get their numbers up so that they can get paid more money because they, they go up to a different tier. So I looked for people who I thought were really talented, but they were un- underlooked because they only had done like seven jobs. And so I found a guy, he hadn't done that many but everything that he did was super funny. Like I really loved all of his stuff. And like for the um, for the Kickstarter video, when he came out, when he did the thing where he's like talking about wild elephants, and he had an elephant come out with two big pitchers of beer. I was like, this is the guy, right here. <laughs> like <laughs> it was a funny video. He did a great job. So, but but that was the thing. Also, okay. So so back to uh, getting Kickstarter video going. So. It took a lot longer to put that together than I thought it would. And we were approaching the rainy season. So I basically, like normally you might have a 30-day Kickstarter. I did a three-week Kickstarter, and I was tempted to do a two-week Kickstarter. Like I really needed to get it fast before it started raining out there. Um, So I was basically racing against the clock, and that guy, he kept pushing he kept pushing how long it would take him to get the video done. So it'd go forward a week, it would go forward a week, it would go forward a week. And finally, I was like, dude, we just, this has to happen. Like, it's, it has to happen or I'm not going to make it. It's not going to work. So he got it out in the nick of time. We got that done. I got out there. Um, and within like, I don't know, five days of me being out there, we were boom, rainy season. Like, it rained like every day or every other day. So I get on a, most of my recording in that first uh, five or six days. Wow. Yeah. I got, I got really lucky. And it's funny because the very first day that I was out there, I'm totally tired, bleary eyed, you know, up early, you know, out in the jungle, it's picture, you know, 10 hundred and some degrees, you know, hundred percent humidity. And, uh, what we recorded on that first day, I was, I was, I was so stoked. I couldn't believe it. I was like, if this is the first day, this library is going to be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> You're like I'm here for this much time. Look at the day 1. <laughs> yeah, day 1, right? Yeah, and turns out day 1 was the best day. That was the best day. So I was glad that I started out strong because it sort of deteriorated from then. I'm not saying that I didn't have good elephants after that. It's just it was really it was really rare. Whoa.
0: So before we get too far into Thailand, just to give a little bit of my own perspective, because I've done a, I've done a Kickstarter as well, and and full disclosure, both Tim and I backed the Kickstarter, um, having never met you before. The couple of things that I found in my own experience with regards to Kickstarters, specifically for sound design, is the video's really hard. Um, one of the main things you have to do is qualify yourself in the Kickstarter as somebody that knows what the heck they're doing. Um you know, and and to some degree, you can do that just with gear list um, and and with credits and all that. But that's one of the main things, like that. I as a backer was looking at was all right. Who is this Brett guy? Does he know what's going on? Is he just going to Thailand, or is, or is he actually going to get something good? And so I thought I thought you did a really nice job of qualifying yourself as as somebody that could get some good sounds once you got out there.
2: That's interesting that you say that because I. I- I felt like that was my weakest point. I was like, uh, it says that I did six years on Marvel Heroes MMO. Does anyone even, does anyone know what that is? I know a lot of the gaming world does, but I was like, I wasn't sure in the audio community, like, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't the last Marvel movie. It wasn't like the last Marvel motion picture. You're like, you're not that guy. Like, you're the guy who's working on this thing. And what's your, because someone, someone on one of the um, uh, social media, some group that I'm part of said, hey, so uh, I'm thinking about backing your Kickstarter campaign. What, what libraries have you released before? Is there something... Something I can hear, and I said, um, "No, this is my first library." I said, "I said I say uh, go big or go home," <laughs> and he was okay with that because he ended up backing the
0: library. <laughs> yeah, man, you came with it. <laughs> well, what what convinced me was the fact that you had a you had a well established plan, like you had a very good plan of action and, and a good equipment list for what you were going to do and how you were going to do it once you got out there. You you didn't look like you were just flying by the seat of your pants. You looked like you you really had thought about it and had structured yourself in a way that you were going to set yourself up to get something good. I also, as, you know, as somebody that does enough recording myself, I know that animals specifically can be remarkably unpredictive. We just talked to Colin Hart uh, on a, on a recent episode, and he was out recording gators for years before, you know, he had enough material to get a library out of it. And it was, it was a similar situation. They just don't make much noise until until it's mating season. Um, So he had to get out there and, and, you know, use some props to get them going
2: yeah that that was another thing that we were looking at as well he uh he had said that if i was lucky uh that i would catch them still at the tail end of mating season and i i wanted that for the elephants uh i ended up getting three different sessions i mean two of them were better than the others but that's where a lot of those low rumbles uh, are from is from uh the mating so
0: yeah and the other thing, just before we before we get off the Kickstarter, in my experience with Kickstarter, and you can tell me if it was this way for you, um, a lot of your backers show up right when you start and then also right when it's about to end, and there's yeah. this lull in the middle. Yeah. And what I found is that if you have a really long Kickstarter, it doesn't really change that so much. If you have a shorter Kickstarter, you still get your spike at the beginning and your spike at the end when you're about to cross the threshold. Is that is that how it worked for you?
2: Yeah. In, uh, in fact, I thought, uh, I think it was... Something ridiculous, like in the first forty-eight hours, it was like sixty-seven percent or something ridiculous like that. And I was like, "Oh, and I've got how long? I've got three three weeks on this thing. Like, this is going to be amazing. Like, if there's no problem." And then after that first two-thirds, it was like tumbleweeds. Like, it would be like <laughs> people. People would be like, uh, "Hey, so what's going on with your Kickstarter?" And I kept going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and then and then you know you read about what people are doing and like what the statistics mean. And, uh, for me, I thought, well, the reason these people get funded is because they don't stop pushing. Even during the lull, you got to keep promoting, keep putting it out there, keep getting the word out, uh, not because they got all the stuff in the beginning and then they just hung out for a while. And then, then at the very end, everyone just came, magically came. So it's was like, I got to keep pushing. So I was stressed out, you know, to get it done.
0: It's a stressful thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the
0: other the other calculation is you gotta you gotta try and raise enough money to actually do the job, and that includes paying Kickstarter, paying Amazon for the um, for the uh, money transfer fees, and and having enough for your actual you know contingencies and to uh, to actually you know get out there and execute the job. And sometimes that's a hard number to to decide what it's going to end up being. Yeah. Because you don't want to shoot so high you don't get funded, but you also don't want to shoot so low you got to come too far out of pocket.
2: I think I did the latter. I think I shot a little (laughs) too low. Um, That was unfortunate. But I didn't want it to be this thing where people are like, well, why does it cost that much money? Which there's just, as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes up along the way that you didn't know. And they tell you for a Kickstarter, they tell you you should have 25% contingency fee of your stuff, right? To make sure that all those little things that you can take care of them. Uh, and then also, um, I wasn't working. So there was that. So I was dipping into any savings that I had to take care of it as well. And like little by little, I'm like, Oh God, please let this happen. Um, but, um, but yeah. And then once you get out there, which is a whole nother thing is that you're in a third world country and you're trying to get something done uh it ends up being that everyone's like oh no that's only 1,000 more baht oh no that's another 1,500 baht you're like you know I was like knocking over uh 7-elevens to you know for extra elephant money like that's like it was it's ridiculous
0: <laughs> well uh, so let's talk about that so you're funded you know it's going to happen what's your plan what what are the what are the first steps you take what is everything you have to get covered before you actually head out there
2: well, I mean, part of it was that, you know, I didn't own a 633, uh, sound device is 633. Um, and uh, I didn't have the 8060, which is the thing that I wanted to have for uh, the wild elephants, if we we're going to be doing the wild elephants, which ended, didn't end up happening, by the way. That got rained out. So then I realized that the money would be uh, better spent uh, renting, renting that stuff than trying to, you know, buy gear. And then I wanted to be able to test it. I want to make sure that uh, I could get out there and um, I could have enough variety of soft and really, really loud sounds to sort of know how to set my levels for this. And what I didn't realize until about probably, I don't know, four or five days before uh, I was ready to leave is that uh, on the 633, if you're recording at 192, your limiters drop out, so no limiters. So you're flying without that, which is not helpful. But from the very beginning, the thing I was most paranoid about in recording out there was getting distorted recordings um, because apparently that's the curse of recording elephants uh, is everyone gets distorted recordings. So they just underestimate how powerful they can be. Um, It's extraordinary. Before I left, I was absolutely paranoid about that. So uh, when we went out there, I felt like I was pretty well prepared. So not only did I have my gear my settings uh, set up but if there was something that was going to be ridiculously loud and close that's some adjustable pads 15 20 25 db and when i when i said i said to them i was like is this going to be crazy and they're like yes this is definitely the time pop those in there really quickly uh or if we started out and i just got so blasted it was crazy i'd be like okay we're gonna pop these in right now and then we went from there and that's really something that i i was proud of the recordings like i is that in delivering what I delivered uh, for the library? Is a lot of people that were backers on the campaign. They had come out and said, "Hey, just do me a favor when you're out there. Don't compress anything. We don't need everything to be loud. Or like I prefer natural recordings." And I really wanted that for those people. And there were they, it was so tempting because there there are some great sounds in there, and I'd really recommend that people crank up the volume even between sounds, because there's a lot of Easter eggs in there, like if you look in between. I didn't want to hike everything up, so I highlighted every little thing. I thought it was more important to retain the integrity of what was out there and let people discover it than make every rumble loud or every nuance groan or whatever loud. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. And I really have no feedback on whether, I mean, I've had some great feedback on the library, but not on that specifically. Is that something that you guys experienced in the library that you were glad that I didn't crank everything up? Yeah, I love that concept. Okay, good.
0: I love it. And, and, it is, and that's the, the way I do a lot of mine as well. I don't tend to run limiters at all. Because um, I, I try and stay far enough away. In my work specifically, at least, um, I will commonly add 20 or 30 dB a gain to something in order to make it cut in a mix. But I'd much rather do that in context and in post than, uh, than to deal with anything that is uh, compressed or limited in any way. Um, I, like to do, I, like to, I like to do a lot of limiting, but I like to do it in, in context and in post.
2: Yeah and you and you want and just uh, like I was listening to you guys uh, from your podcast with um uh, last night What's his name Colin Hart, Hart, Colin and Hart. The, uh Tonstrom Yeah Colin Hart and Tonstrom Donn Storm. 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 Um, Storm Storm Storm. 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 <laughs> 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 um that's something that I really appreciated about what they were talking about when I when I heard them say that that they tried to keep everything they tried not to touch their recordings that much like that's something that I I really respected and I was glad to hear that that because I really respect them I was glad to hear that that's That's, uh,
0: yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I really took from them, um, that I didn't really get to point out when I was talking to them, but I really, really loved the idea was that they listen to their stuff. They monitor through massive limiting just to go find weird stuff and and get rid of it. And, but they don't actually print the limiting. They just listen to it in that type of context. I thought that was really cool.
2: That's really cool. Actually. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they find a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally get to find if you weren't doing that out there. Right. Yeah, it's a great search tool.
0: So what other kind of non-audio gear prep did you have to do? Insurance, vaccinations, what else do you have to do to go to Thailand?
2: Sure, you have to do your vaccinations. Um, a good number of the vaccinations or the stuff that you need to do. I had done the year before, so I was still good on those. Um, but uh, insurance, yeah, I was insured through through True Audio. But um in terms of um, the, like a carne, it's, a, it's basically, it's like a passport for your gear. So if you've got camera work or whatever, then they just, they don't look at it. They just pass it on through because you have permission through their government or whatever to have that stuff. And, you know, there were people that asked, that told me that I should do that. I mean, people told me all sorts of stuff. People were like, you should have a contact mic and you should strap it to an elephant. You got to have a out you got to have a CO100. You got to have this, you got to have that. And I was like, I'm going to be out there running and gunning and going crazy. Like, I'm going to be trying to get like, really with that, with that microphone, with the 8050, like, I love the detail, but I love the fullness of that, of that mic as well. Yeah. And then the frequency response. Frequency response was, like, I think it's like, 30 hertz up to 50,000 or something like that. So, um, I knew I would get some really cool clarity and detail. But, of course, I knew if I had an 8020, like, 80, 8020 out there would pop down to 10 hertz. Like, I know that they make sound that we can't hear. But I was, like, I have to make a choice. I'm one guy shooting this thing and running around, like I'm not gonna have, I know that it's not gonna, that the environment there isn't kind to having a lot of complicated gear. You just need to get the best recordings. The, the performance of these recordings is more important than getting every nuance that's you know strapped from a contact mic to the elephant or whatever that is, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but uh, in going out there, back to what you are saying about um, uh, permits, uh, that was a very real concern I didn't know thank God, like i was I was paying attention to uh George vlad. I'm sure you guys uh think he, he's yeah. probably on the, the the slack there right he's been
1: on the podcast before,
2: so oh, he has okay, so he's done his prep, and I looked at his prep uh the the thing that he did for a sound effect um and one of the things i mean i i love i love uh all the stuff that he writes, his photos like all of his recordings are amazing, but one of the things that he said he's like Low profile is the best way to go. You're not going to pop out there with pelican cases and they expect things yep. to just go smoothly. And and if you if you were to get a carney, then that draws attention to yourself because you've got your permits. Sure, you've got your permits, but then they're like, oh, what project are you working on? And where your with your permits for this? And you want to give us, you know, two thousand dollars, or we would still we can still take your equipment or whatever because it's a it's a third world and everyone is holding their hand out. They all want money. And I not only got that advice. Uh, from someone who was actually in Thailand at the time, but also from my friend who I told you about who lived out there. She's like, don't draw attention to yourself. Just keep everything low-key. And then what I didn't discover until, again, maybe four days before is that, um, oh, they have limitations, of course, on your carry-on luggage, right? Uh, Going to Southeast Asia. And I knew that they had limitations. I just thought that you got like, you got 15 uh, kilograms for this and 10 kilograms for that. No, it's like 15 g- kilograms total. Like, that's all you get for, you know, your carry-on. And then you have however many kilograms for your for your checked-in luggage. But I knew that in case, um, and that's the other thing that, because I I haven't recorded a library, I mean, I've recorded plenty of things, but I've never had to have backup recorder, backup mic, backup cables, backup wind protection, backup, like, t- have copies of every element of the chain just in case anything goes wrong. And I have 149 people that are depending on me to get these recordings. I better make sure that I've got my stuff covered. So going out there, not discovering that till the last minute, um, the luggage that I had that I bought brand new that I thought was so cool that, you know, I I thought, oh, I can roll that thing. I can, you know, I have that, I have that. I ended up going straight back to my backpack that I had from the year before. I, I packed like one full a set of everything I needed to record that I could just keep with me at all times, that I could keep my eyes on at all times, and then I had backups in my luggage. So no matter what happened to my luggage, it was okay. But at the same time, you don't want your luggage to get lost, and that way you have no backups. So then you're there, and then, sure, I made it, but if anything goes wrong, then again, I'm back to square one. So when I got there, uh, or you know I got to Hong Kong, uh, they the flight was late. And then, so we missed our connecting flight. So they're basically like, it was already a 22 hour flight. And they said, okay, well, you're gonna have to wait here. Then you're gonna have to go to Bangkok. And then if you go from, from Bangkok, you're gonna go to Chiang Mai. And so it's gonna be like a, basically a 32 hour flight. And I was just like, I hope my gear makes it there. Like I hope the rest of it like, so by the time I actually landed with all my gear after everyone's saying, what's this? I'm like, oh, those are batteries. What's it for? I'm like, well, they go in that battery charger. hoping that that would be okay, and it was. (laughs) Um, By the time I actually made it to Thailand with all my gear and everything was cool, and I was like, okay, I'm here. Now I have all the tools that I need, backups. Like, I was so grateful that it all worked out. But, you know, without permits, without, you know, anything. Just a bit of luck and a bit of planning, and, you know, and I was there. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the prep. So how close to the elephants would they let you get, both the people and the elephants? <laughs> I was right up on them. I mean, I was right up like, it was, like, was like basically my microphone is as close or closer than, than yours. Like it's just, I was right there. So like, and, and that's, a, that's a weird thing too. It's, um, you know, I know that I didn't always need that, but like for those low rumbles, I really wanted to have, I really wanted to get up in there because those really aren't that loud necessarily. Okay. Um, and then like, and, and again, like I tried to include things in the library that I thought would be useful for other sound designers, especially for doing creatures or even doing uh, magic or even doing uh, you know uh, superpowers or that type of thing. Like, I feel like a lot of those like there's uh, a trunk sputters with with blows are really useful for stuff like that. A lot of the the, the short grunts) because they're recorded at 192, when you slow them down, they have that detail of kind of a thing, but it's still like a full uh, sound from that creature. Um, I wasn't sure necessarily what everyone else was going to like, and like, for instance, being right up in the elephant's face for the chewing, like uh, there's some eating in there, there's elephant eating. Now, in my perspective of listening to that, um, like, and I, I made sure that I included in the metadata, uh, grass chirp, for instance, because when you hear that grass chirp in, like if you turn that up and you slow it down, it sounds like basically like a, a tree is falling, like, and then it's, you get the the, the the whine of that chirp because it's slowed down. It sounds beautiful. Like I just felt like there were a lot of things that, if you got right up in the elephant's face, like, and then there's the lip smack, all that stuff that I thought was really interesting. That I wanted to include, and the only way to do that was to, you know, get that proximity to get right up in there. But you guys were just one. You guys were just worried about my safety.
0: What did your guides tell you? What did you expect before you actually stepped out there versus versus what
2: was it actually like? That's a great question. That's a great question. That's something I was meaning to address. Um, so I think I had mentioned uh, in the podcast, or not in the podcast, in the... Um, Kickstarter? Yeah, that I had all of these different calls. So there are the laryngeal calls, the trunk calls, uh, imitated calls. Um, and I had, so there's the rumbles, the roars, the cries, the grunts, the barks. Um, I had sent out recordings that I had of those things, good recordings that I had, I mean, better than most people, you know, have access to or have, have heard. But um, when I sent that stuff out, and I sent it up in folders, and I measured that against the the lexicon that they use in ElephantVoices.org, which is a, a elephant charity in Africa which I'm giving 10% off of Sonic Shepherd, I'm giving 10% of all sales uh, for this month uh, to that organization. Uh, They're fantastic people. When I sent that stuff out to them, uh, he said that he's listening to every one of those things, and yes, he can do that, and he can do this, and he's like, plus we have at least five different elephants um, that are gonna be doing sounds that you have not heard before that are gonna be, you know, they're gonna be great. So I was really excited. And then when I showed up and you know, I was out there and I said, Okay, we're recording today. What's what's this elephant? He said, Oh, he will make a sound, you you will see. And uh, I'd record and it, it would start it and he'd go, <laughs> and it's like this huge elephant. And you're like, Okay, well that's not that wasn't on my list. Like, is this one of the the five sounds that I never heard before that I'm really gonna like? Or what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> so he was like. It was like the Wild Wild West. Like, I, I would like to say that he's like, okay, now we were gonna be recording the laryngeal calls and this elephant will be the cries that you asked for and this one will be the grunts and this one will be the barks. And, like, and it was all mapped out like that, but it was pretty much like, there's a new elephant and we're gonna record that and then we're gonna see what that's like. And then it would be like, when's the new elephant coming? 20 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour and a half later. Is a new elephant almost here? 20 more minutes, 20 minutes. And then it'd be like two hours later. Okay, bro. There are times where my recording days is like 20 more minutes. I end up getting like an hour and a half worth of total recording like for that day. And maybe not necessarily sounds that, for many reasons, didn't make it in because I didn't like the sounds that we're recording. Uh, maybe um, the background noise was absolutely ridiculous. The other thing is uh, like one of the guides, he has a business to run. So uh, we'd be recording and his phone would be go-, go off. And like I have recordings of his phone like constantly going, somebody calling dun, 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 dun. like that, <laughs> like that's constantly popping up and i'm like why i'm like you, you got you got to turn it off and i would tell him to turn it off and he'd be like okay and then again it would happen again he would never turn that thing off like and then he'd be like hello i was like can you he'd be like, okay, okay and then he'd walk off and all that recording would all get get lost so it was like uh, I had the best intentions of it being this well laid out, planned out thing that uh, that I had, you know, popped through on Kickstarter. But so there were there are two two sides of that. So on one side, I wanted the things that I wanted, and you know, and I I told him that. But then on the other side of it, he delivered stuff that I couldn't have possibly known or you know or hoped for, and I was really happy with, like that elephant greeting that's on there, which is basically one elephant is in one position, and then two of uh, his friends or her friends uh, come up alongside them. They're like, okay, go, and they all come up together. And then it's just, you've heard it. You heard it on the, on the thing. It's uh, elephant cacophony or, or any of that.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Those roars and, and, and rumbles are extraordinary. It's like nothing I've ever heard before. Or the fact that he was able to wrangle three different mating sessions, which is absolutely fantastic. Or some of the different elephants that I loved on there, like Quincy was one of my favorites, Solano is one of my favorites, uh, Kai is one of my favorites. By the way... I reached out to people that helped me uh, with this project uh, before I released it. And um, i the people who not just backed the project, not just helped me financially, but also were so helpful, and like were probably exhausted with all of my sending them stuff. What do you think of this? Do you think people like this? Do you think people like that? And I've been looking at this. I've been, I mean, ultimately, I ended up deciding to do what I decided to do. I mean, I, I was making a final decision, but I feel like I got a lot of help from a lot of people, and I was really grateful for it. So I told a number of people that I was naming elephants uh, after them, uh, just to sort of immortalize them in the library. So when you see uh, Kai as one of the elephants in the library, that's Kai and So uh, anyway, so not to get... Uh, Sidetracked so and all that, but I just thought it was a, that's a nice a cool, way to
1: uh, kind of side story. I didn't realize that when I got the library where those yeah. names came from.
0: I, I just love the fact that they had names because to me that's a it's an easy way for me to go find specific things in the future. As I'm looking for a specific, you know, elephant sound, and those things start kind of coming into my head. I know I can jump. I can. I don't have to type elephant. I can type Quincy, and I can get a certain stack of of sounds that are things that I already know what they are. It makes it easy for me to find them. I, I really enjoyed that. You did a similar thing with your trolley library, Renee. Yeah. I didn't name the trolleys; as I named them, but I just wrote the names in, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the metadata search.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I also thought it would be helpful, like, if, I mean, not many, like, if there's an elephant that does roars, that's pretty much it, you know, it does roars, or if there's an elephant that does rumbles, you know, you, you get rumbles, you might get one roar out of, out of that uh, elephant that it just happened to be that way, or a trumpet, but I thought it was helpful also um, when you break things out to cries, oh! Mm-hmm or growls or rumbles that if an elephant is uh, making different sounds, because there are elephants that cross across those, it's cool that you can go back and get uh, creature specific uh, or elephant specific stuff. If you're working on a creature, you know that those sounds came from that specific creature, and it gives you all the more confidence that, that the validity of what you're putting together, not only could it come from the same creature, but it actually did, right? Yeah, that's way cool.
0: did you uh did you ever feel uh, unsafe? did you feel like your safety was good throughout that whole process?
2: Yeah, I mean every once in a while, like it's like especially like during that elephant greeting, like they're just like in a they're in a frenzy and they're going crazy and like uh you don't know like they'll pop they'll pop in and like i I started to get a feel for it and I would pop back because there'll be a couple of things. So it could be even during the mating, like there's mating going on, so they're doing their thing. And somehow if like you're interrupting them, if you're like in their space and like, they're like, get that fuzzy mouse out of my out of my face. Like, you don't know what they're gonna do. If they can slam you or, or, or what's happening, like what their mood is. Um, and then again with the elephant greeting, like they'd be in with each other and all of a sudden they'd flip back and come charging at me. And... At first, they were like, okay, get back, 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 back. And I would, and because I was so caught up in what I was doing. Are you on foot? Yeah, I'm on foot. You're not in like a truck or something? No, no, I'm right in front of them. Like, I'm right, I'm right there. But at, but at first I was like, I kind of oblivious and they were like, get back, get back. But then I got a feel for like, when I felt an elephant was coming at me that I would drop back and I was able to get, you know, away. As long as their mahouts are around and a mahout mahout can come. (laughs) If there's a mahout that can come in between me and the elephant, they're not going to mess with the mahout because that's their that's their guy. Um, so I just had to be aware of that. And then there was a time I was kind of bummed out that I that I wasn't able to get the wild elephant sound. So that was rained out. Um, and I wanted to do something uh, for the backers um, to help supplement that because I I said I want to give you guys um, stuff that isn't available to the public. So I talked to Paul Verostek, and um, I was saying, you know, I want to get tigers, because like, that might be fun, but at the same time, I really don't like that the tigers are drugged up here, and I kind of don't, don't want to go record tigers that are drugged up, because I just don't think it's cool. You
1: want to be on foot, inches away from a tiger with your mic, right? That's what you're looking for.
2: <laughs> just like with your Non-drugged
1: old... <laughs> up tigers, one foot away. Yes,
2: and I don't want them drugged up. I want it to be a challenge. Um, So yeah, I didn't like ethically, I didn't like what that was about. And uh, so I said, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go and see if I can get some backgrounds out there. And uh, I went out to this jungle where I know that there are loads of poisonous snakes, there are uh, pumas and panthers. Um, And I didn't have a guide, I had a taxi driver. And uh, it was not pretty. I'm from, I'm from Los Angeles, so it's not like I'm like Mr. Indiana Jones. Like, I think I was cursing the entire time and getting wet and like, what's that vine? I bet that's poison ivy. Like, the guy was laughing because he was like, dude, man up. Like, it's not like, whatever. But I, I, I got out there in the middle of the jungle, set up my stuff, and when I, I got to a place that I thought was really cool and I was liking what was happening. It was away from everything. And about an hour and a half later, the guy came back and he's like, oh, did you notice the snake that's right next to you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, I'm like, there's no snake. He's like, yeah, right there. And I looked down and, uh, yeah, it was a pit viper. It was a green pit viper that was just hanging there right next to me the entire time. I had wow. no idea. So, but then I was, uh, you know, packing up at that point. It was okay. Yeah, i Like maybe too. he just wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was the only thing. Just the, the snakes and possible, you know, other stuff out there. And then, uh, and then the elephant stuff. Um, and then there's always, you know, they're really big creatures. So you, you want to make sure that as they're stomping around that you don't get stepped on. Uh, I did get stepped on by a baby elephant, which really wasn't so bad. He was intentionally trying to step on me. So that's a, that's a whole different thing. Like How cute. This guy, I might have spent mm, five hours waiting for him to make a sound or even come out from his mom. Like he just, he was like, no, I'm hanging out with mom. Finally, when he came out. He decided to. uh, He decided he wanted to have some fun. So he was like pushing up against me, trying to trip me, trying to step on my foot. He was like pulling out my cords with his trunk, Uh, and I didn't end up getting any recordings of him until the very other than like little sniffs and stuff. Like he was sniffing the, the the mic um, until at one point his mom pulled away or something, and he wasn't able to get the milk that he wanted, and then he started crying like crazy, and that's the the cries that you hear, Patsy. Oh, yeah. uh, crying, it's because she, or he, he wants uh, his milk.
0: I would be terrified of mama protecting the baby if the baby's coming and playing with me.
2: Yeah, there's uh, one of the sounds in there is mama rumble. You can hear the difference between the mama rumble where she's mad, she's like, you better stay away, or you're gonna get it. And the ones that are like, this is nice, we're mating rumbles uh, from the other yeah. stuff. It's a, it's a whole different, it has a whole different feel.
1: <laughs> so you were saying that you wanted to get back to the, uh, the idea of if they were trained elephants or not.
2: Oh yeah. So elephants and the Northeast Thai people, um, they're such a part of their culture. Uh, so for years and years and years, like they use them for wars, they would go fight on the backs of elephants and elephants would tear things up or whatever. So they have this, this huge history and uh, culture uh, elephant culture. Like the the white elephants that are born out there, those all go straight to the king. Uh, no one's allowed to view the white elephants except for you go to special viewings of the uh, white elephants. And again, those belong to the king. And those elephants were trained for before fighting. And then uh, after that, when we started moving in uh, to modern times for fun and uh, entertaining people, elephant tourism, uh, all of that. Um, and then there's the people on the other side of, uh, in the hills, uh, uh, who are the Karen people. And those people have mostly trained their elephants for years and years and years for logging. Uh, And so it's a a really, it's a different thing. It's interesting because, you know, although there is elephant tourism that exists uh, on the Karen side of things, it feels like they have a whole different ethos about the way they treat their elephants. Basically, they would say, hey, elephant, we need you to do this work. But then after you do this work, just go hang out, do whatever you want to do because you're just cool. Like, we're, you're cool, we're cool. Like, you got your life, you do some work, you do your work day, I do my work day, and it's all done, right? So, I, I know it sounds weird, but like, I honestly felt like the elephants from over there were happier. Like, they're just more chill, like, they're more gentle, they're cool. And then the ones that are trained for uh, all the tricks, like, I feel like they're stressed out. Yeah. Um, if people are going to a place where elephants bow and do tricks, That is, um, that's a whole different ball again. Like that's uh, that's something I would really discourage people to do. I really don't think people should be riding elephants. Uh, I don't think they should be going to shows. I don't think they should be going to any like big shows that even elephants are a featured part of. I know that the trained elephants that I worked with uh, on this library benefited from what was going on there. But I feel like this trip, as opposed to the previous trip, I got to see a lot more than I did on the previous trip. And I just, I don't know. I'm not into it. And which is one of the reasons why when I put this together, uh, put my website together, that I wanted to give 10% to the charity in Africa where there is no elephant tourism whatsoever. Basically, if you want to, if, at this place, if you want to see elephant, you go out on the Jeep, you can check it out. Uh, that's cool. There's the elephant and the babies. They're doing their thing. And then that's it. You don't need to ride them. You, didn't, you don't need to go pet them. You don't need to do any of that. Yeah. What's the name of the charity? Uh, it's called elephantvoices.org.
0: Cool we'll put a link for that on our site too. What an amazing adventure. Um that is that's the way to launch a library is just go to Thailand and 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 hit it with a splash, man. That was um just the idea of an elephant library coming out. I was immediately pretty much going to be on board. I'm I'm so excited that you did it. I think it's uh I think it's the coolest thing.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm really I'm really I mean, I'm honestly super grateful that it worked out. Like I I, when I was there, I had uh, three backup hard drives, and I had my laptop. So I had a copy on my laptop. I had three different copies on different laptops, and I had two cloud. I had uh, Dropbox and I had iCloud. Like I had libraries everywhere. So once I was finished recording, like, and I knew I was finished, like that was done. Like I got the biggest smile on my face. I was just like, I can't, I can't believe that it actually happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you'll have that with you
1: for the rest of your life. It's, uh, it's way cool. I'm jealous. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Sure, sure. And uh, we'll have a link up on our site for where people can go find
2: your library as well as that charity. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate you letting me tell my story and uh, like all the ridiculous ups and downs of of the process. Um, Yeah, and I look forward to uh, popping on next time when I have the next library ready. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Stay safe on the next one, okay? Because
2: (laughs) standing next to snakes and elephants is dangerous. (laughs) I promise I will.
0: Thanks to everyone who listens and participates in the show. Thanks to Brett Johns for jumping on with us. Thanks to Stacy DuPos for letting us bend and twist her voice on our bumpers. Also, thanks to Sebastian Dressel for some pretty amazing help on this episode. There's a link to his website on our show notes. You can follow the show at The Tone Benders and go to tonebenderspodcast.com to leave a comment. You can support the podcast by going to tonebenderspodcast.com slash Amazon or tonebenderspodcast.com slash bh. Also go to Sonicshepherd.com and pick up the Elephant's Library. If you don't own it yet, go get it because it's awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all next time.
2: Thanks for listening to Tone Vendors. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, please write us a review while you're there. To support the show, go to tonevendorspodcast.com and click through our Amazon link or leave us a tip. Also, download and listen to our entire show archive there and leave a comment on our site or on SoundCloud. Keep up to date by following at the Tone Vendors on Twitter or find Tone Vendors Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Email us with your questions and ideas at infotonevendorspodcast.com. At